Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And as you're turning there, I'm going to read you guys a little story. A man dies. That was it. All right. No, just kidding. Paul meets him at the pearly gates. If there are pearly gates, hypothetical. And Paul says, here's how it works. You need 100 points to make it into heaven. All right. 100. You tell me all the good things you've done, and I'll give you a certain number of points for each item, depending on how good they were. When you reach 100 points, you get in. Okay, the man says. I was married to the same woman for 50 years, and I was faithful to her. That's wonderful, says Paul. That's worth three points. Three points? Well, I attended church all my life, and I supported its ministry by tithing and serving. He says, terrific. That's certainly worth one point. One point? I started a soup kitchen in my city and I worked in a shelter for homeless veterans. Fantastic, Paul said. That's good for two more points, he says. Two points? Exasperated, the man cries, at this rate, it'll just be by the grace of God that I ever get into heaven. And Paul says, bingo, 100 points. Come on in. You know, as we let me read verses uh, eight and nine, and then we'll we'll talk about this. It says, "For by the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of works; it is the gift of God, not of works, or not of yourself. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast." Let me read that one more time. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Have you guys ever in your life thought like? by doing good you would get your way into heaven that that god would be pleased by you i always i've thought that and even now at 29 i i can still struggle with that thought of of trying to do good of trying to better myself of trying to do the right thing to get right with god right and here we get this you know funny story it's just it's just a story of thinking that our works would get us into heaven, right? But what actually gets us into heaven? What? Grace of God. It's all because of God's grace. Who wants to go to heaven? Have you guys ever thought of of what happens after this life? You know, we just had a a funeral yesterday for one of the ladies who, who passed this past week. And life is, or death is very real. And some of you guys have experienced it within friends, family, um, you know, young, young people passing away. Um, it's very real. And there is there's this, this thing that God has put into us that we desire something after this life, that, that there's got to be more than this, right? And there is more than this, and God created us for more than this. And death is very real, and death leads us to something beyond this life. And if I asked you, where would you go after you died, what would you say? You know, some people would say, well, I would go to heaven, right? I doubt anybody, the, the very minority of people would say I would go to hell, right? Those are those who are just arrogant and prideful and be like, oh, I'm going to party up in hell, right? People say that, honestly, and it's sad. You know, they think it's, it's going to be a party and that it's going to be fun. You know, there's some people that say, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to exist, you know, I'm just I'm gonna be I'm gonna be dead, or I'm gonna get to heaven and I'm gonna have seventy virgins waiting for me. 
who wants 70 women anyways like it's hard enough to have one like that that doesn't even sound like paradise to be honest you know what i'm talking about so there's all these different things that people aspire for but there's really only one truth in the bible nobody talks about heaven and hell more than jesus christ himself i didn't look at it i didn't i didn't have a chance to to actually you know make sure this is correct but i think he talks about heaven and hell more than he actually talks about love and that doesn't mean that he's not love because john tells us that he is love and that he exuberates love and it's his character and it's his nature and it comes forth in everything even speaking about heaven and hell is done through love right i am telling you that there's a heaven and hell because i love you there's a heaven which means that we are with god right for eternity and there's a hell which is a separation from god and hell was never created for you and i do you know that hell was never created for you and i and the bible tells us that god wishes that that no one should perish and go to hell right and we all know the famous verse in john 3:16 for god so loved the world right that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what everlasting life with him in heaven and what does john 3:17 say actually i have to remind myself what does john 3:17 say the next verse because we all know 3:16 for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he who believes in him is not condemned but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son heaven and hell are very real and god wishes that you would not go to hell but it is a very real thing and you will go to hell if you don't believe that god sent jesus christ to save you it's a very simple thing and so this morning what i really want to do i don't want to spend too much time i really want to just present the simple gospel okay the simplicity of the bible the simplicity of jesus because too many times we make it too complicated i think christians pastors preachers us and our own selves we make we make salvation too complicated right and i'll get to the complicated part next time we meet okay that'll be verse 10 okay but for now when, when we're talking about salvation it is a very simple thing how are you saved how does the bible tell us that we are saved from condemnation from hell but grace right and how do we receive that grace through faith it made me think of the thief on the cross with jesus there was two thieves right and one of them was mocking jesus and said if you if you you call yourself the son of god why don't you save us and you you know like if you're god you can do whatever you want you can save us and then you guys remember what the other thief said he said you and i we deserve this we deserve the cross because of what we did it's our consequence for the actions that happened that we decided to do but as for him he's he's guiltless he didn't do anything wrong he doesn't deserve this and he believed and he said he said to Jesus remember me do you guys remember that he said remember me And Jesus said, "Surely you you shall be with me in paradise." 
So tell me, tell me the, all the things that this guy had to do to be in heaven with Jesus after death. What did he have to do? Did he, did he have to get baptized? Did he have to take communion? Did he have to get down and wash himself? Did he have to get down and go right his wrong? Did he have to go apologize to the people he stole from? Did he have to go apologize to his mom for being disobedient when he was 15? Did he have to... I can go through like a million examples, right? He didn't have to do anything except believe in Jesus. Simple as that. You want to go to heaven? Romans tells us if you confess with your mouth and you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. Can that be pretty, is that pretty simple to you guys? Yeah? And I think Satan makes it, Satan, I don't even know if Satan or just us sometimes, we just make it so, so much more complicated. We feel like there has to be so much more to it because it's too easy for us to get all that we get from that simple thing. Like it just doesn't logically make sense that all I have to do to, to get to heaven, to have the grace of God, to have everything, all the spiritual blessings that we talked about in chapter one of Ephesians, all those different things, it comes from just believing in him a simple faith and I receive grace and all my sins are forgiven and I get to be with him in eternity. All my pain, all my fears, everything will wiped away when I'm with him in eternity. And all I have to do is believe, right? And we think, oh man, well, there's got to be more than that, right? You guys ever thought that? Like, I got to, I got to do more. Like there's, understand this. Paul tells us very specifically in Ephesians, Go back to Ephesians if you're not there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. You did nothing to get salvation. Jesus did it all. And it is the gift of God. What does it mean to be saved? right? Paul says, for by grace you have been saved. What are we saved from? What are you saved from? Yes. A rhetorical question? I I don't know. What? I'm asking a rhetorical question? No, it's not a rhetorical question. I'm I'm asking, what are we saved from? Yeah. Say it again. Condemnation? Yeah. Death? What else? Sin? Huh? The wrath of God? We're saved from a lot. And we have to understand that we're not saved from this life. We're all going to die. Unless, you know, God comes back and... But your name has to start with an E. Just kidding. Nobody got that except for like a three. Enoch and uh, Elijah. We are saved from the condemnation of our sin and there is consequences to it. When you do something bad, there's consequences, right? Like like for every, what's, what's that law? For every action, there's a reaction, right? For every bad thing you do, there's, there's, there's a reaction to it. For every, and even for every good thing. And we are sinners. How many of you would say that I am a sinner? And a sinner just means that I know that I'm, I'm a bad person, 
right? I know, I know that, like, in my heart, I, I'm just evil. I like to be disobedient sometimes. I like to think bad thoughts. I get angry at my friends. Like, it's, it's simple things. It's simple things to be a sinner. It doesn't take you to be a murderer, like some thief or God. Jesus told us that it all started within the heart, right? He says, if you're angry at your brother, you've committed murder. And here we are like, well, let's, we're trying to justify it. Well, no, I didn't, I didn't touch him. I didn't do anything. No, but if you think, if you look at a woman or a man and you lust after them, you've committed adultery, right? It's just even looking like, well, I didn't touch him. But no, God says it starts in the heart. He says, look, if your eye caused you to sin, what do you do? Pluck it out, right? And then if your other eye caused you to sin, what do you do? Pluck it out. And you're like, yes, I'm not going to sin anymore. No, you're going to keep sinning whether you have no eyes, no arms, no legs, nothing. Why? Because it's in the heart. It has nothing really to do with, I mean, it does. That's, that's the reaction of what happens in the heart, right? out of the mouth the heart speaks right in the same sense what's in your heart is what you're going to do with your actions and your speech so it all starts in the heart you have to realize that you're a sinner otherwise if you don't realize you're a sinner then you don't need a savior you have to realize that he says that we have been saved this word saved means it's it's a greek word it says it's sozo it's to save to keep safe and sound to rescue from danger or destruction, which is so stupid when I get the, the definitions for like, it says saved and the definition is to save. <laughs> like, no, I need more than that, right? Salvation. In the Old Testament, the word salvation sometimes refers to the idea of being delivered from your enemies. It referred to victory in battle, but in the New Testament it refers to something much bigger than a single battle. It has eternal consequences. And the Bible warns us that we all have a problem and that we're sinners. All of us. Every one of us. Even if you consider yourself to be a good person, you've still done bad. Romans 3.23 says, For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why is this a problem if we're all sinners? Because sin has consequences and God is holy and he is just. And that means that he always does the right thing and that he always always brings justice to everyone. And justice has to do with making things right, correct? It involves judgment and punishment. We like the idea of judgment as long as it's being applied to someone else that we feel deserves it. And there's a penalty for our sin. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That punishment, the wages, death, separation from God, hell, everlasting. And we need to be saved from that. You guys need to realize even at this young age that there's, there's more to this, this life. Life goes quick. It goes so quick. Like, think of, like, what what year were you guys born? You guys are, it's 2019, so some of you are, like, 15. You guys, you guys even were, none of you were born in the 90s. Am I correct? That's crazy to me. You know what I mean? Like, I was just in your seat, I felt like, last week. Okay? And I'm 29 now. And before you know it, you're going to be 29. Which means that I'm going to be, like, 39. 49. I don't know. I'm, math is not... I'm going to get old. Like your parents are getting old. Your grandparents are. 
it's just crazy it goes by so quick the days right think of your your school years right the days go by super slow you're like holy cow that minute is the longest minute in my life but in the in the present you look back on your life and you're like wow five years ago that felt like it was yesterday time flies and so there's more to this life and this life goes so quickly and in the grand scheme of things this life is nothing it's just a a blip in eternity we have to think of the eternal consequences of what we do here on earth right one of my favorite quotes from uh gladiator gladiator russell crowe is that gladiator yeah gladiator he's like what you do in this life will echo in eternity it's so true the decisions that you make in this life will echo in eternity, will, will be lasting in eternity. And one of those decisions is a simple decision that I believe in Jesus Christ or I reject Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that will have lasting consequences, whether good or bad. So I want to make this, as, again, as simple as possible. To receive salvation, you understand you're a sinner, that you've been separated from God. God wants you to have communion with him, to to be one with him, to be united again, because that's how he created us in the first place, right? He wants that back again. But he can't have anything to do with us if 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 we are if we are if we are separated him because we're sinners, because we aren't holy, because we aren't perfect, right? We can't. So what he had to do is he had to come and he had to become sin for us. Remember? He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He came and died for us so that we could become one with him. And when we receive salvation, because it comes through grace by our faith, we receive salvation and it is something that can never be taken away. It is something that you can never lose and it's something that you don't have to do over and over again, right? It's something that we struggle with at a young age where we, where we pray the, the sinner's prayer. We lift our hand when somebody you know, does an altar call. We do it over and over again because, I don't know, we have this, this doubt in our mind. But you have to understand that once saved, always saved. If you believe, you believe. That's done. God will never take you away. He'll, he'll, never, he'll never push you away. He'll never not accept you. Satan can't snatch you away. Nobody can take it away from you. You are saved. Once saved, always saved. Listen to this. After 20 years of shaving, shaving himself every morning, a man in a small southern town decided he had enough. 20 years of shaving, that's a long time. He told his wife that he intended to let the local barber shave him each day. And he put on his hat and coat and he went to the barber shop, which was owned by the pastor of the town's church. The barber's wife, Grace, was working that day, so she performed the task. And Grace shaved him and, sp- and sprayed him with lilac water and said, that will be $20. And the, woman thought the, pri- or the, the man thought the price was a bit high, but he paid the bill and, it w- and went to work. And the next morning, the man looked in the mirror and his face was as smooth as it had been when he had left the barbershop the day before. Not bad, he thought. At least I I don't need to get a shave every day. And the next morning, the man's face was still smooth. This just happens to me anyways because I can't grow a beard that fast. And two weeks later, the man was still unable to find any trace 
of stubble on his face. It was more than he could take, so he returned to the barber shop and he said, I thought $20 was high for a shave, he told the barber's wife, but you must have done a great job. It's been two weeks and my hair still hasn't started growing back. The expression on her face didn't even change, expecting his comment. And she responded, you were shaved by grace. Once shaved, always shaved. <laughs> uh, once saved, always saved. Understand that. If you believe in Jesus Christ, God has given you the free gift of salvation. You don't have to keep praying for salvation. You have it. It's a one-time thing. You can't lose it. Nobody can take it away. Once saved, always saved. How do I know that? Romans 8, 38 and 39. 8, 38 and 39. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from him. And John 10, 28 and 29 tells us, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And this is Jesus speaking. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I am so thankful that there is nobody who can, who can take me from the grasp of my God who loves me and has saved me. There is nothing that I can do to, to run away, to, to do anything bad, that will negate God's love for me. It will always be there. There's nothing I can do because his, his grace is too expansive. His love is too much. And if I have believed in him, then if I've done wrong, if I've done bad, what happens is he'll continue to love me, but there's a time where I need to repent and turn back to him. Because even though I'll be saved, our relationship won't be as intimate as it should be because that's what sin does. Does that make sense? So, so you don't need to pray for salvation. You just may need to repent. You just may need to ask God for forgiveness so that he can wash your feet. Remember that? When Jesus said, look, or he came by and he just started washing the disciples' feet. And Paul said, wash my whole body. And, and Jesus said, I've already washed you. You've already been cleaned. Jesus was referring to salvation right there. Your whole body's been washed. You don't need to do it again. You don't need to pray the sinner's prayer over and over and over again. Once saved, always saved. But, he said, I do need to wash your feet. And Peter, I'm doing this out of order, but Peter said, don't wash me at all, right? And Jesus said, if I don't do that, you have no part with me, right? The representation of the dirty feet is, is us in our sin here on earth, even after salvation, because we continue to sin, right? It's, once we're saved, it's not like we're perfect people. No, we continue to sin, and in that sin, in our daily lives, we have to allow Jesus to wash our feet, which is, which is repenting and turning to him and asking him for forgiveness. It's as simple as that. It's just like when you do something wrong with your parents, you continue to ask them for forgiveness, right? And when, once that happens, whether it's your parents, your friends, isn't your relationship tighter than what it was before? Yes? No? Maybe you're not doing that. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. 
He says you have been saved by grace. What is grace? It's not the barber woman. What is grace? The word is charis in Greek. It means to afford joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. The basic idea of grace is that it's a gift, and an undeserved gift. I think we have a, a misconception of what grace is and what God's grace implies. Can you turn the, the speakers off? I think a lot of us think that God's grace is him just forgiving us. Like, think about it like this. I'm going to try to give you a, a, the best analogy that I can think of. So imagine, imagine you murdered somebody. Well, don't imagine that part. Just imagine you're a murderer, right? And you're, and you're on trial, okay? What's your consequence for murdering someone? Life, death, yeah, however you want to put it. Life in prison, death, right? Is it grace if the judge says, you're free to go? There's no consequence. No. Yeah. So what would grace be? Yes. <laughs> He's like, you're free to go, and here's a thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay, I would say that would be grace, right? You get what is what is undeserved. You get more than what you deserve, right? Because mercy would be the absence of the, the consequence that you do deserve. And grace is, is exponentially more. But that's not it when it comes to Jesus. There's more than that. Because Jesus is also just and, and righteous. And a just judge would not just let somebody go without some type of penalty right would you consider that justice that would not be fair that'd be unfair it's grace but it's unfair so how does justice and righteousness coincide with love and grace the love and grace is that that jesus has has freed you from the penalty of you being a murderer right like you don't get the consequence of death you've been freed from it oh by the way since you're free from it here's i don't know of gazillion dollars if that's even a word all the money in the world you can have anything that you want right oh not only that but he, i'm gonna take your place on trial and they're gonna condemn me for murder for you murdering that person and so then i'm gonna get the chair or whatever they do now i'm gonna die in your place that's grace combined with his his justice you understand that because a lot of times we think, oh, God just, God just freely forgives. He does, but there's a consequence that comes from it. And Jesus took that consequence for us on the cross. That's more love than just, oh, you're free to go. No, I'm going to take your stinking place. And I did nothing wrong. And here, you're free to go. You get everything that I can bless you with, which when it comes to God, it's exponential, which we saw in chapter 1. And I'm going to take your place because there has to be a penalty. There has to be a consequence because I am a just and fair God. A lot of times I thought, well, why, why did God, why did Jesus even, you know, why couldn't he just forgive us, right? Isn't that, have we all thought of that? Why did he really even have to die on the cross? Couldn't he have just forgiven us? Couldn't he have just loved us? No, there's his, his justice is found on the cross because he took the place of us. 
and we also know the consequence and the remission of, to have remission of sins the forgiveness of sins there had to be shedding of blood right because the consequence of sin is death and so death had to be paid which is the shedding of blood because blood is the symbol of life I love that he died in our place we were the ones who deserved death and hell and Jesus died for us he paid a debt he didn't owe because he owed because we owed a debt we couldn't pay Jesus took our place don't forget that the Jesus took your place and now grace doesn't just stop there grace isn't just a one-time thing that we receive at salvation right he says you've been saved by grace through faith you've give, you've been given this grace which is a free gift of salvation right it comes through faith but that grace doesn't just stop there remember john talked about receiving grace upon grace you need grace upon grace in your life it even goes back to the whole jesus washing his disciples feet we need jesus's grace daily because we need to get right with god daily grace upon grace god god desires that we receive grace through our whole lives and god's desires that we continue to learn to receive from him all that he has to give to us and romans 8:32 says he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things and 1 corinthians 15:10 says but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace toward me was not in vain but i labored more abundantly than they all yet not i but by the grace of god which was with me and that was paul speaking and god's grace worked through paul as he worked for jesus and paul found god's grace to be the thing that took him through difficult times in 2 Corinthians 12:9 he said and he said to me my grace is suf- is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness therefore most gladly i will rather boast in my infirmities than th- that the power of christ may rest upon me you're going to be weak you're going to go through hard things and it's what's that's grace is what's going to get you through those things it's going to be sufficient paul tells us that means it's enough for what you need And we too can find God's grace in difficult times through prayer because Hebrews 4:15 and 16 says this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let therefore come uh, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace. Grace is all we need for salvation. But how do we obtain this grace? How do we obtain it? What does Paul say? It's through what? Faith. Right? Again, the gospel is as simple as that. Faith. And where does faith come from? Let's turn to Romans 10 really quick. This is basic Christianity. Romans chapter 10 verses 14 through 17. As you're turning there I'm going to read just because we're running out of time. Paul says, "How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things." 
but they have all they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says Lord who has believed our report so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God where does faith come from hearing and ultimately from the word of God your faith comes from this living active truth from hearing this it's as simple as reading and hearing the word of God where your faith comes from and when you have faith when you put your trust in Jesus because of this because of the good news you then receive grace and because of grace you are saved I can't put it any simpler you are saved just because of a simple trust in Jesus a five-year-old can do it a 90-year-old could do it a guy hanging on a cross could do it has nothing to do with your works why why can't we just be good and try to get our way into heaven that's an honest question why can't we do that well Paul tells us one of the reasons he says uh, in verse 10 not of works lest anyone should boast right it's so that we're not boastful if it was of works think about this guys if it was of works and I was able to work my way into heaven if I was able to free myself from the consequence of sin which is a a spiritual aspect of our life then ultimately I'm I'm saying that I'm God that I'm I'm a savior if I save myself then I'm a savior then I'm God but I'm not right I'm I'm a created human being I'm nowhere close to being God God is the only one who can save us not ourselves and he does that so that we don't boast so that we don't build ourselves up higher than we are because that was the main problem with with lucifer that was the main problem with adam and eve right they wanted to be like god that was satan's temptation to them he's like eat of, eat of this fruit right and what will happen what does he say that that satan what did satan say would happen you'll become like god right god's like no 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 you were created from dust Okay, Eve, you were created from Adam. Okay, but we were also created in God's image. So it's not like ew, you're just like some thing made it from dust. No, like you were created in love in God's image, but we were also created in humility. We were created in dirt to understand that we are not God. That we cannot work. We cannot do anything to obtain salvation or being right with God. There's nothing that you and I can do to do that. It's all because of God and his grace. You know, and sometimes I I even struggle with that in the sense of when I've done something wrong, I feel like I need to do right before I can come to God. Have you guys ever struggled with that? Like I've done something wrong and I think, Lord, you know, like I need to stop doing that for a while. Then I can go to you. Or I need to stop doing that and I need to do good. I need to do something good. I need to do something. And when I say good, I'm not even talking about like helping an old lady across the street. You know, I'm like, I, I need, I need, I need to read your word or I need, you know, God's like, dude, you just, you just need to repent. You just need to talk to me. You just need to believe in me. It's simple. Just come to me. Like you're never, you're never too dirty. You're never too unworthy. We can approach the grace of throne whenever we want. Isn't that beautiful? And he wants to us he wants us to come there as we are. 
because you try to start doing things, you, you start trying to do things outside of just receiving God's grace, then you're, you're basically, you're trying to work your way and being right with God, which there's no way that we can. There's no amount of good that you can do to make yourself not a sinner. Right? Let's say, I'm just going with this stupid analogy, none of us are murderers, but imagine somebody murdered someone at the age of 20 and the rest of their life they tried to counteract that by doing good and they're 80 years old and they spent 60 years, you know, doing good. Whatever that good looks like. You know, they started nonprofits, they they raised a ton of money, they fed the poor, they did this. Does that negate them from being a murderer? No. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I don't know about you, but not being right with God is not a good feeling anyways. Because he created us in his image, because he created us to be with him, anytime that we are not right with him, it's, it's not enjoyable. It's not true joy that I've, I feel in my life. Like, yeah, I, I may be like enjoying my sin or, you know, whatever it is, but it comes with such a, such a heaviness, such a burden, such a guilt that in the end, it just makes me uh, depressed and lonely. And God's like, that's not what I have for you. I, I, I want you to be with me so that you can have that joy and that happiness, but it doesn't come with, with emptiness and depression and loneliness and anger, and bitterness. For, you, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I love how Paul puts it. He says it's the gift of God. He's giving you a gift, and all you have to do is what? Receive it. Simple as that. Don't think of it anything harder than that, okay? It is that simple. The simplicity of the gospel. And I'll stop there today. But next time we meet, I want to go even further because because the gospel really does the gospel ends there, but Christianity doesn't end there. Our relationship with God doesn't end there. Okay? Remember, we're not saved by works, right? There's nothing you do to be to be saved. There's no no good that you can do to be saved. Everyone agree? You don't have to agree. That's what the word says. But is works important when it comes to our walk with God? Yes. And we'll get into that next time. You have to have works, but not to be saved. We'll talk about that next next time we meet.